is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to another edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with you. And uh, we got a packed show today. Lots of hockey talk with the conference finals beginning tonight. Carolina and Florida going at it this evening. And tomorrow we'll get the Vegas Golden Knights and Dallas Stars game one. Our pal Andy McNeil of VEASAN will join us in the first segment up to uh, preview the conference finals and get his thoughts on the upcoming series. And we're going to welcome in Dave Pagnotta from the fourth period. Looking forward to getting Dave's takes on uh, certainly what's happening in the desert, as well as some uh, off-season trade scuttlebutt and what he's hearing about the Winnipeg Jets. After that, Brandon Rewicki going to jump on. We'll certainly talk some Jets topics with Rue, as well as get his thoughts on the PGA Championship, which is underway round one at Oak Hill in Rochester, New York. And we'll finish it off with our guy, Double D, Darren Dunn, previewing the live racing season at Assiniboia Downs, which gets underway on Monday. And also see if he's got any picks from uh, on the Preakness. Although, tomorrow, Kirk Contois will join us from Assiniboia Downs at the end of the program before we drop the marbles. That's the pick we really need because, of course, Kirk was the one who dropped Mage in our laps for the Kentucky Derby a couple weeks ago. And I don't know there's a few WSTers that... Uh, had a nice dinner that night, courtesy of uh, a great pick from Kirk Contois. So, busy show today. We will uh, get to uh, all the hockey stories, uh, everything happening in the offseason, as well as what's happening in the Western Hockey League final. Tough one last night for the Winnipeg Ice. We'll get to that in just a minute. Uh, before we do that, big shout out to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Cool Bet Canada, Princess Auto, the award-winning Little Brown Jug Brewery, Aikens Lake, Breezy Bend, Royal Sports, BP, Consolidated Supply, F Apparel, Nick and Nikki DQ, Wallace and Wallace, Vita Health, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Aquatech, Modern Man, Assiniboia Downs, and of course the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, who will open up their season tomorrow for their home opener. Fireworks after the game. Make sure to get out there. I cannot wait to get back to the ballpark. Let's uh, get this show going and welcome in Michael Remus. Remo, what's up? Finally, yes. Hockey this evening. Like, what have I been doing the last couple of days? Catching up on sleep in the evening. Sorry, watch getting watching the ice. I guess was the last two nights, but uh, conference finals finally underway after this lengthy break, and I'm looking forward to that. And also more speculation on the Arizona Coyote because uh, I haven't <laughs> haven't done enough of that since I don't know 2011. I'm like having major flashbacks here over the last week with this Coyotes watch um we just, need to get little logan on the program he was what seven years old back <laughs> in 2011 he's probably now like maybe a freshman at asu or something like that we did not hear any little logan or not so little logan sightings um at the tempe arena vote that did not go the coyotes way but yeah listen it's just one story after another involving that team in the desert and um but apparently they do have another plan which they're going to try to go down i'm not sure whether that's going to fly with commissioner gary bettman considering the timing of all of this stuff but we will talk about that a little bit later on you mentioned the winnipeg ice right off the bat and let's get to that tough loss last night in seattle and now the ice are really up against it down 3-1 in these series and um you know, I, I really enjoyed the game last night, and I thought the ice, uh, you know, had a ton of opportunities 
and it was Milich in the, in the Seattle net that made some big saves off the top players on the uh, on the Winnipeg ice. Um, you know that really kept them in the game early on. But holy smokes, did they have some? That's a powerhouse um, on the other side of things. And Dylan Gunter, that one timer that put the uh, T Birds up three two ended up being the winning goal was an NHL shot. Of course, he played, what, 33 games in the NHL last year. Um, so, uh, I mean, you knew that that was going to be coming. Daniel Hauser wasn't able to get in front of it, and that ended up being the difference. And unfortunately for the ice, a couple penalties in sort of the last eight, seven, eight minutes of the game, including one late, really uh, affected their ability to uh, have that big final push to try to tie the game up and get to OT. Certainly not impossible for this team to come back. First of all, they've got to win game five and get this series back to Manitoba. That game will be on Friday. And if they're able to do that, we'll have hockey at Canada Life Center on Sunday for game number six and potentially a game seven on Monday night. And the one thing I'll say about the uh, about the ice ream, and again, they're playing a team that is frankly in a different class than most of their opponents over the course of this season. Uh, but they did a lot of winning this season. Um, they uh, won over 50 games. They only lost 11. This is very uncharted territory for them to be in a three-game losing streak. That being said, uh, it's all about game number five and uh, just get this series back to Winnipeg after a tough one last night. Yeah, we're seeing it from the chat house. Everyone's saying, is the next game for the ice the biggest game of the year? It's do or die. That's a yes. That's a yes. Yeah, do or die is one that's coming around. Um, <laughs> what's the other one? Must win, can't lose, everything for the ice here. It's all on the table. Crazy, you know, crazy that they haven't lost, what, haven't had that kind of a losing streak. You mentioned, what, 11 losses in the regular season. Uh, uncharted territory here. They seem to win all the time, but definitely a tough test. You see how good the Seattle team is. Was Tuesday night, blink of the eye. <laughs> Score three goals and it's pretty close and you know going to the third period, but Seattle was able to pull away. So um, you know, we'd love to see some junior hockey at Canada Life Center this weekend and fingers crossed for uh what Friday? That's tomorrow. Yeah, fr- yeah Friday night, tomorrow oh. night. Um that one'll be on uh Here. that one'll be on TV again. Uh and Dan Robertson, man, it was great to hear uh, Dan and uh, and Kevin calling the games. Yes. Um and, you know, as I said, you know, with uh, no hockey last night, it was a great night to uh, tune in to check out, um, you know, the two best teams in the Western Hockey League playing for a spot in the Memorial Cup. And didn't go Winnipeg's way, but uh, fingers crossed the boys will be able to get that one tomorrow and get it back to the peg. Shout out to the chat. The cliches are flying. Nelson Fernandez says they need some pushback in game in game yeah. five. Oh, pushback. Ga- Absolute need for pushback. Uh, let's see. Yin Vivian. There's no tomorrow. Reg must give 110. percent I haven't seen they any need two. To crank it to 111. They yeah, might it's... need to crank it to 111 to beat Seattle. I haven't seen any 200 <laughs> foot game comments. So throwing it all on the table here for the Winnipeg Ice as they try to keep their season alive. Yeah, T. Will saying, "Is it the biggest game of the year?" Oh, and there's Kyle. All caps, Kyle. Got a chance to meet all caps Kyle at uh, the uh, the Kenny and Rennie year ender bender earlier this week. And uh, again, if you missed the show yesterday, but you were around, great to see everyone on a Tuesday night over at TCB. That was a heck of a lot of fun. Um, so it is dire times for the Winnipeg Ice. Meanwhile, just down the highway in Portage at the Centennial Cup, 
big win for the host Terriers last night, beating the Collingwood Blues 4-3, scoring a goal to break a 3-3 tie in the third period. No Steinbach Pistons in the uh, in the finals or in the playoff round, unfortunately, but we will have a Manitoba representative, and that is the Portage Terriers, who are three and one. So by beating the Collingwood Blues of the OHL, they move on to the playoff round, and that game will go tonight. Well, first of all, it'll be an all OHL, all Ontario matchup between the Ottawa Junior Senators and the Collingwood Blues. That game will be dropping the puck at three thirty this afternoon in Portage. And then the hometown heroes, the Terriers, taking on the Yarmouth Mariners of the Maritime Hockey League, who were one, two, and one. Uh, Portage, I'm sure, will be favored on this uh, in this team in this matchup. Uh, the winner of the Portage Yarmouth matchup will move on to tomorrow's games, and the winner of Collingwood Ottawa will move on to tomorrow's games. Um, and then awaiting them will be. The high-powered Brooks Bandits, who rolled through the round robin. Um, and, of course, the Battleford's North Stars, the uh, champions of the Saskatchewan Junior League, who are avoiding uh, the play-in game or the quarterfinal game, if you will. Um, so lots of great hockey right now. And if you haven't had a chance to get out to the Centennial Cup, certainly the games on the weekend will be awesome. But tonight might be a great time to head out to the Stride Center to check out the uh, home Portage Terriers take on Yarmouth in a uh, do-or-die game where there's no tomorrow if they don't win. And from all accounts, Remo, crowds have been awesome in Portage, and uh, I imagine that building is going to be rocking for the home team tonight. Oh, a- absolutely. And, yeah, do-or-die game, no no tomorrow, all that stuff. Shout to the chat who keeps bringing it us with these motivational elimination game, yes, <laughs> game yes. cliches. <laughs> Uh, Turn Ferguson adding in fourth game's the hardest to win. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> we haven't mm. said that one. <laughs> haven't done anything until you've won four games. So the uh, Seattle Thunderbirds haven't done anything. Yeah, yet. and so yeah, I mean that's great celebration. Their uh, Centennial Cup in Portage. So looking forward to seeing what happens. What happens there? I'm all distracted. Us. Everyone's saying, oh, two passes and out. Hard off the glass when in doubt. I mean. He's, this we chat pucks in deep. Any pucks in deep in the no chat said, yet? No one said pucks in deep. <clears throat> Got to stay out of the box for sure. Just uh, you know, everyone here is hockey fans who've heard their fair share of hockey cliches. So this is this is oh, awesome. Oh, Ian Vivian, stay out of the box. Yeah. Definitely stay out of the box. That I mean, not necessarily with the power play coming the other way, but when you're down a goal, it's tough to get back into the game when you have guys in the box. Speaking of in the box. Um, did you see that clip from the, the Peterborough London game last night with the player in the penalty box getting at it with the old penalty? Oh my God, was this hilarious? We'll have to, we'll fire it up at the, at the end of the show. Maybe there was, um, if you look, Remo, check out Mark Mathot's Twitter feed okay? because there was a scene and it was, it was bizarre. It was a player from London that went into the penalty box and he gets into it with this elderly gentleman who was in charge of the box. And I don't know why the guy originally started going at him. Here, just play this if you if Is there you sound? Uh, I don't you don't need the sound. We don't need the sound? No. Okay, I'll just play we can talk. Ended exactly. up getting into it with, with with the official in the belly box. And they went at it for a good chunk of time, Vic. And it was back and but forth. But then they, and made, up. they made up. They're buds again. 
Wait. Then he ends up back in the box. And now they're pals. Oh my god. That's great. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I'm feeding back to myself right now. Oh, sorry. Um, one thing I'll say as I fix that, Huss, I really did enjoy the TSN presentation yesterday. Not only do we get Dan and Kevin... There was a huge panel there for intermission with, uh, with Julia and Ricky Carrado with Craig Button. So TSN bringing out all the stops for the was junior hockey triple header yesterday. Exactly, exactly. I mean TSN and I guess Sportsnet when they picked up additional properties <clears throat> had already bought the rights to the Canadian Hockey League and then basically wasn't going to be able to show it. So I'm not sure how that deal worked between the uh, the two companies. Uh, but I think it's important to have these championship series available on television. And uh, obviously, TSN's doing a good job with uh, putting some uh, big-time play-by-play and color crews from the National Hockey League in doing the games. But yeah, and with the difference of timing, I think that same panel basically did the intermissions and post-games of of all three games. There was the... uh, uh, Quebec game, I believe Patrick Waugh's team, the Quebec Remparts, are now one game away from uh, moving on to the Memorial Cup. Peterborough Peets are in that spot as well, as are the Seattle Thunderbirds. So uh, that was a fun night of junior hockey. The other thing that I'm sure some people have been paying attention to, and it's definitely been worth your while, is the NBA playoffs so far. We didn't really touch on this yesterday, Remo, but first of all, Tuesday night started off with uh, the San Antonio Spurs winning the draft lottery to get a guy that has been described as the best prospect of all time in the French monster, Victor Wembayana. When you think about the uh, the Spurs, who have now had three number one picks all time, first time they picked the Admiral David Robinson, then they picked Tim Duncan, won five championships, and now get, as I said, this is not from me. This is from people that know a lot more about uh, the NBA. The best prospect that they've ever had coming into the league, and that is very, very high praise. So the Spurs won the lottery, and we had that incredible game between the Lakers and the Nuggets. Anthony Davis had 40 in a losing cause. Jokic had a monster game, as he does pretty much every night. Nuggets up one nothing. They're back at it tonight. But speaking, we always like big upset stories. The Miami Heat, man. 8C, they beat the Bucks right now. Uh, they have so much swagger for a team that just snuck into the playoffs after having to get through the play-in round. Um, Jimmy Buckets owns the playoffs. Eric Spolstra, probably the best coach in the NBA. Um, the Celtics are up against it right now with the Heat, and uh, that was a big, big win last night, uh, one that would have paid you quite well on the cool bet lines if you jumped on the underdog. Sounds a lot like another Florida team. Stuck into the playoffs as an eighth seed and made the conference final. Well done. Thank you. That sounds sounds familiar. So uh, some playoff success there in uh, in South Florida. Yeah, Jimmy Butler. I mean, he's been a playoff performer for years. Uh, former Raptor Kyle Lowry playing playing a role on that team as well. So I mean, not not a huge role, but he's there. And um, yeah, good for, good for them. We'll have to see how this one goes. Cabillas is down with the Heat. Hey, the Gitch is here. What's up? And the big worm, Kyle Lowry, so thick. He is thick. Um, <laughs> and, and you know what? I'll say this. <clears throat> as a Raptor fan and as a guy that 
I think acknowledges Kyle uh, Lowry's incredible contributions to uh, the Raps and also basketball in Canada. Of course, the 2019 championship would be pretty cool to see him uh, get a run back to the finals. Um, I guess people either love the Celtics or you hate them. I'm not really a big Celtics guy, but I'm not a Laker guy either. I'm hoping for Denver. That's the team I'd want. I, count me in for a Denver-Miami series. That would be uh, that would be awesome. Um, but we're going to get back to the hockey right now. But as I mentioned right off the bat, Goldeye's home opener tomorrow, Reem. And I know it's pretty ugly outside right now. It's only 8 degrees, and it's been so nice lately. Kind of wondering, oh, did the great weather leave us? Well, not for long. It's supposed to be a 10, uh, supposed to be, what, a high of 10 today? But how about this for the long weekend? Tomorrow for the Gold Eyes home opener, 21 and sunny. Saturday, 26 and sunny. Sunday, 26 and sunny. And Monday for the opening day at the track, 31 degrees and sunny. Listen, fingers crossed that this actually comes to fruition. But that might be the best May long weekend forecast I can ever remember here in Winnipeg. Good. That's that's great because it was just seemed like we didn't get a spring because we didn't. So I mean, I'm I'm pumped. Us. It'll be good to spend some time at the ballpark, some time outside. Got to clean up my patio furniture. No one complaining for me. No, no, definitely not that. So book it in, folks. We'll be there tomorrow night. Hopefully, we'll see you there. 6.30 start, Gold Eyes home opener. <clears throat> there are over 5,000 tickets already sold, so I would go to goldeyes.com and get them now and make sure to stick around at the end of the game for fireworks. <clears throat> Andy McNeil is going to join us in just a sec. Just before we do that, have to give a big shout-out and thanks to a couple of our newest sponsors, Modern Man Barber Shops, now with eight locations in Winnipeg, including the two newest locations, Pemina Highway, right by Bishop and over on Plessy Road out on the east side. Modern Man Barbershops offer a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Book your look online via modernmanbarber.com and give them a follow on Instagram over at Modern Man Barbershops. Uh, we're going to be feeling like summer on the weekend. Why not make 2023 the year you take the plunge with AquaTech? Visit aqua-tech.ca to design your own custom pool. Their team can provide on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. And a whole home renovation start with AquaTech as thousands of renovations as their foundation. Let AquaTech upgrade any space in your home. AquaTech is ready to make your reno dreams a reality. Learn more about design, pricing, and financing options today at aqua-tech.ca. Um, speaking of May long weekend, you got your batteries ready to go? Uh, it's beautiful outside right now, or it has been. Definitely time to get the motorcycle out on the road. If you need a motorcycle battery, nowhere better place and a better price than Manitoba Battery to get you hooked up with the right fit for your bike. And uh, there could be some lawn work as well. They got a great deal right now on lawn tractor batteries with 280 cranking amps for 42 bucks when you return your cord. That same battery is $30 more at the big box stores. Not only are you getting the best price, but it doesn't get much more convenient than Manitoba battery. Any purchase over 60 bucks, they'll bring it right to your door anywhere in Winnipeg for free. Find out more online at manitobabattery.com or pop down and see Donnie and his great staff at 1026 Logan Avenue. 
And just before we bring in Andy, a uh, big cheers to our friends at Canadian Club. Bomber training camp is underway. June 2nd, the first preseason game. We'll be back there meeting up at the Rum Hut watching the unfinished business tour get underway. Of course, Canadian Club is Canada's favorite whiskey and the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Pick it up at your local Manitoba Liquor Mart and check out for CC and Ginger at both Liquor Marts and your local beer vendors in 473 milliliter cans. All right, let's get ready for the conference finals and bring in our pal, the digital gambler himself, Andy McNeil from VEASAN. Andy, what's up, buddy? How are you? Check, check. You got me? You got me? Oh, we got you. Looking okay, good. good. You got a just... Panthers hat on. I just realized Michael sent me like four steps or instructions in that email, and I only followed the first one. So I just wanted to, to make sure I You've was, done it I was loud and clear here. You can <laughs> figure it out. You know what you're doing, Andy. You're an, you're an old vet. Hey, let me ask you right off the bat with the uh, the lid. Um, how surprised are you that we are still talking about the Florida Panthers right now down to the final four? I mean, Boston was the the behemoth of the National Hockey League. They were down 3-1, essentially one save away at the end of Game 5 on Brad Marchand from being history, and yet here they are as one of four teams still alive in the quest for the Cup. Yeah, no no brackets busted more uh, you know, than the, the Panthers this season. They, they really have uh, done a good job taking down these Titans, if you want to call the, the Maple Leafs the Titan, I don't know, but the Bruins certainly were. Um, I think even in hindsight, I mean, that that was the best team in the NHL, the, the Boston Bruins, and they didn't play their best at the, the wrong time. And I'm, I'm sad because of it. I am a, a Bruins fan, or at least I was. I don't know if I can I don't know if I can go back after that one. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the Panthers, man, they, they've they've really turned it on. And, and you can say that they, they got a little bit lucky against Toronto, you know, surviving some some stretches there, getting some great goaltending from Sergei Bobrovsky. But this team is. You know, I think a blend of all the things that make a, a really good playoff team, and we, we've seen it throughout the playoffs, speed, skill, toughness. They've, they've got grit, which they didn't have in past years. Uh, you know, when we saw these teams crumble that with Joel Quimble uh, in the bubble and then uh, last year after that President's Trophy win. Um, but, you know, this is a different team, and I guess it's uh, Matthew Kachuk is the kind of the catalyst of all that, uh, the engine for that team. And, um, it's going to be a tough series. And, you know, you look around, there's a lot of varying opinions. I think I looked at ESPN this morning. I saw 12 people pick the, the Hurricanes and 12 people pick the Panthers. So split there over at the Athletic, 70% uh, of the voters picked the Hurricanes. So a little bit more uh, towards the home team there. But I like the Panthers in game one. I don't necessarily like them on the series line, but we're seeing this line come up here um, as high as, you know, plus 125 and, and approaching plus 130 at some shops. Uh, and and I, I think it's Panthers or nothing uh, as far as I'm concerned. They've got more star power, arguably. I know Carolina's getting that uh, a big boost with uh, Tuvo Teravainen coming back in the lineup tonight. But um, I don't think he makes a huge difference. And, and I'm still willing to, to give playoff Bob another shot on the, the money line here with the Florida Panthers. The one thing I'll say about Carolina is that they are as consistent a team in the way that they play. And they're, they're, the aggressiveness of their forecheck, the way they utilize their sticks and then follow through with the bodies. I mean, they honestly do some things differently or maybe just at another level than, frankly, most of the teams that aren't playing. I give Rod Brindamore most of the credit for that, for the way that he has molded his team into uh, well into a unit that can handle 
the loss of a Svechnikov sure. and the loss of a Pacioretty. And, uh, you know, totally. I was one of these people that didn't have high hopes for Carolina because the guys that they've lost. Yeah. But I have to admit, um, they've sort of made me a believer that they can go through anybody right now, despite the the lack of high-powered offensive players that, you know, you'd normally be counting on. Yeah, I have Carolina winning the series 54% of the time, which converts to a line of about minus 117. Um, and I, I think, you know, I totally agree with what you're saying. But on the other hand, I don't think it's a great thing that they're so consistent in their approach when a lot of the time their approach is quantity over quality. And maybe they won't get as many of those uh, looks that Toronto got in, in their games versus the Panthers. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that plays out. And, and I think it's going to be a great series. The one thing that I think everybody can agree on is uh, it, it probably won't be a quick one. This is it's probably going to stretch on. The Panthers aren't going to go away easy. Um, and uh, and it's it's going to be maybe a classic series, one that we didn't really uh, think would 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 happen, but uh, definitely definitely could end up being a classic for sure. Andy, uh, before we, I mean, obviously they'll start it off tomorrow with uh, with game number one between Vegas and Dallas. Just pulling up our friends at Coolbet here, looking at the series price, and it's pretty much been the same. Same Vegas at minus one twenty eight, Dallas at plus one oh eight. Um, does the line make sense to you right now before we kind of dig into uh, who you're liking in the series? Yeah, it does. The The game lines make sense to me. Um, I will say just right off the hop that I did bet Dallas to win the series. I think there's some discrepancies there with how the series is priced compared to the games. But um, yeah, I mean, I think I think this is going to be another close series. Uh, Vegas, I, I think, you know, is getting those great performances from Jack Eichel and uh, specifically Jack Eichel, but Mark Stone and some other players as well. Um, but I, I, I look at how they're scoring a lot of their goals and they scored the most high danger goals at even strength against Winnipeg and Edmonton. I don't know that they're going to have that kind of success, uh, against, uh, against Dallas. And I know that, um, you know, in the past, I think I, I probably was a little bit hard on Vegas because of the way Pete DeBoer coached that team. And, uh, and now, you know, he's coaching the Dallas stars, but, uh, they've done a really good job. I mean, they were able to clamp down on the crack and really hard and, and, you know, stop them from from being able to get into those high danger areas in that series at, at various points. So I think it's going to be a lot tougher for Vegas. I have Vegas winning the series 51 percent of the time. Uh, I have them, you know, roughly around minus 111 in game in game number one is a fair price. So, uh, you know, close to a pick them. And uh, and I think it's going to be a good one. I think, you know, unlike Carolina, where, you know, the odd people, you know, some people might might think that, you know, one team, Carolina or Florida might might win. Uh, in in five or, or games, four or five games, I don't think that's going to be the case here. I think most people are expecting a a really long six or seven game series. Uh, the familiarity here is really interesting. Ten players, roughly, on each team that were in the lineup back in 2020 when they met in the Western Conference Final. Of course, you know the Pete DeBoer connection. Uh, I think it's just going to be a, a bloodbath. Maybe not, you know, blood necessarily, <laughs> but I think it's just going to be a war, right? It's uh, it's these guys, all of these guys have been fighting tooth and nail, not just this year, but for a lot of years to get to this point. And you think back to Jamie Benn uh, sitting in the locker room in the bubble after they were eliminated by the Tampa Bay Lightning in the final. Um, you know, that guy's going to do whatever it takes to get back to the Stanley Cup final. I'm really excited for this series. Well, and it's funny you mentioned Ben because I, I, I really like what I saw from Ben and Sagan, you know, in Game 7 and in that series. But it's not about those guys anymore. I mean, it is about Rupee Hints. I mean, Joe Pavelski, I don't know what you can say about him doing what he's doing at his. The one thing that we haven't seen from Dallas so far 
is uh, you know an explosion from Jason Robertson, and to me, that's that's the one thing that maybe puts Dallas over the top against Vegas. If we can see the Robertson that terrorized goaltenders throughout the regular season, because he hasn't been as productive in the playoffs so far, at least through two rounds. Yeah, totally, and it could just be a. Uh, a little bit of a shooting lock thing, right? A little bit uh, something to break his way and, and things really start to open up for him. So that's uh, a big X factor heading into this series for sure. Uh, you know, I want to just get back to your neck of the woods and look back at uh, round number two. Um, what were your takeaways from the Edmonton Vegas series and uh, why uh, why are the Oilers making tea times right now? Well, some... I mean, extended lapses, I guess, but, you know, I thought they played pretty well overall. Um, Stuart Skinner wasn't his best. Um, you know, I think he's got a bright future, but uh, the goaltending edge didn't play out like I, I thought it would. I thought they they had an edge. I guess it was Lauren Francois when the series started, and that's who I kind of projected to play the series. Um, and I thought it was kind of funny how things really shifted. Like the betting market almost reacted as if Aiden Hill was a worse goaltender than Laurent Francois, which I'm not sure is the case, right? I mean, Hill's been had a pretty decent career, and most of it was spent with some of the league's worst teams, so I, I thought that was kind of interesting, but yeah, they were just too too soft in front of their own net at times, and 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 left too much open, and like I said, they allowed too many high-danger goals uh, against, and uh, you can't really put that all at Skinner's feet. I think that's, you know, on the defense as well, but a uh, really, really big missed opportunity. I had some, some great-looking Oilers futures that, uh, that went up in flames. Yeah, you were certainly not the only one, and I uh, think about half of my playoff pool team uh, bit the dust as well <laughs> after uh, after that. Um, that being said, most playoff pools are done right now because basically if you got Vegas or you got Canes, you probably got a bunch of those guys, and everyone else is seemingly, uh, is seemingly out. Um, back to this Dallas-Vegas series, though. I mean, you kind of mentioned Stuart Skinner. Um, you know, he got yanked a bunch of times. Jake Ottinger did not have a great series I guess game by game against Seattle, but man, I mean, the numbers are stupendous after he's lost a game. You mentioned what Vegas' goaltending situation has been, and I mean, none of these guys are proven at a playoff level right now, although I thought Hill was great and a big reason why they ended up being able to hang on and win after Brassois got hurt. But when you look at this series, um, how much of a factor is the true number one and clearly the best goaltender in the series. How big is that for Dallas and your thoughts that, you know, they can get by Vegas who's already beaten two good hockey teams. Yeah. I mean, well, I just think when you look at the, the Western conference in general, there was a lot of really bad offensive teams in that conference and Dallas played a lot of them in the central division and uh, you know, sub in Vegas in the, in the Pacific. But um, I, I think, you know, Ottinger, he played a really good offensive team in, in Seattle and, and he struggled at times, but I also think that we've seen his ceiling and it's really, really high. And if his floor is what we've seen in what we saw in the Seattle series, then, you know, it's, it's pretty promising that the stars were able to overcome that enough to, to win the series. And uh, it's, it's pretty unlikely that Ottinger will be as bad for as long of stretches in this series. So I think the, the, the stars are in a great spot here and I, I think, you know, you always have to wonder if the goaltending edge does play out. And I think Hill is a bit of an unknown still. I mean, he's been around for a while, but he's never really gotten this extended look like this before and a real chance to, to you know, have an, make an impact uh, in a big way. So um, it's an interesting matchup, but I think, you know, the Stars have a big advantage given what we've seen out of Ottinger. His ceiling is just about as high as anybody we've ever seen.
Eddie McNeil from VEASAN joining us, getting ready for the conference finals in the NHL. You know, I'm just looking at the series goal props um, and very different from the Oilers series where, you know, it was dry, it was like four, and he got four in the first game. Um, you know, all of these players, like the big players, Eichel, Pavelski, Sagan, Robertson, Hintz, um, are all basically th- two and a half goals. Um, is there a guy or two that you kind of look at these matchups or the way that they're playing and uh, would feel comfortable jumping on and over? You know what? I, I haven't bet anybody in the, the Western Conference final, but I did tail my my friend uh, Michael Leboff over at the Action Network on Nick Cousins to score the most goals uh, in Florida, Carolina, the Eastern Conference final. What was the number uh, at, on at that? 200 to one. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's in a good spot, right? Michael, Michael broke it really, really uh, broke it down really well on the, the VEASAN hockey betting podcast uh, earlier this week, but he's in a, he's in a great spot playing with some great players. And, you know, if things do go Florida's way, like they did in the Toronto series and it's a short series, maybe, you know, a guy like him could end up having the most goals uh, on the team. Just, just given where he's in at, at that spot with playing with Kachuk and, and Bennett and those players. So, um, I, I had to tail that one, but I haven't made a bet on any goal scorers in the in the Western Conference final yet. No. Hey, Andy. Before we go, I'm just looking at the uh, the numbers to win the cup right now. Now that we're down to four and we haven't started a series yet, Carolina I'm seeing as the favorite at plus two thirty, Vegas plus two sixty five, the Panthers at plus two eighty, and the Dallas Stars plus three ten. Um, do you have a pick? Just who you think is going to win, and does one of those numbers say uh, provide more value based on your numbers than the others? I think Carolina has the the best shot, I guess, to get there out of the the the, the four teams. But um, it's it's really close, just like the betting market suggests, and and there there is no clear favorite. I think you know this is the time when you really want to like look at the Conn Smythe Trophy voting and things like that because. Um, that's why that's a wide open market. I mean, there are, uh, you know, so many candidates. We talked on the, the podcast today about Jacob Slavin and, and about how, you know, potentially in a year where there's no Connor McDavid, et cetera, no Kale McCarr really wowing anybody that, you know, maybe the voters look at a guy like him. I know Brent Burns is getting a lot of attention as well because of his offensive capabilities. But, um, you know, if you, if you, if you ask the, the Hurricanes players and, and Rob Brendamore, they're probably going to, going to go right to slave in when they when they you know think of a, a key piece so maybe he's a guy that's at a big price you know 50 to 1 at, at some books and uh, Dom was saying that he was able to bet him at 90 to 1 this morning I'm not sure if that's still available but um, I think there are some really interesting options for that depending on who you like to go to the cup final because you know there's still two rounds to go and while a guy like Rupe Hintz you know, looks like he's you know the leader right now. And if you if you ask Greg Wasinski, who's really has his finger on the the pulse of awards all the time, he would say uh, he is based on their polling over at ESPN. But I think I think it's really wide open. You talked about Joe Pavelski and, and other players. I mean, there's there's a lot you could do here, and, and a lot better than I th- I think you could do in the Stanley Cup futures market. Just looking, yeah, fifty five to one on Slavin over at Cool Bet. And, and I mean, as far is as that, the... is that not worth a dollar, like or, yeah, yeah. or, or a five dollar <laughs> bet, right? Like I mean, they're talking about them. People are talking about them, and and they're going to face some some pretty good offenses here potentially in the next two rounds. And if he's able to to be a big shutdown force on the penalty kill and on that pairing, I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's. It's a possibility. 
Worth a worth a hail Mary. Eichel the favorite right now at plus six fifty. And I mean, listen, if the Florida Panthers go all the way, I think it's pretty clear that Matthew Kachuk is going to be that guy. He's at seven to one. There's Aho at. Uh, uh, and Aho's next at eight to one. Freddie yeah, see, Anderson. I don't, I don't understand why he's so high. Like he's he's not hasn't separated himself from Jordan Martinook at all. And there's so many contenders on that Carolina team. I think they're the one team that doesn't have a. You know, a, a one person that really sticks out right now as the sole contender for the Con Smythe if they were to win. Well, and I'm with you. I mean, I'm surprised that Ottinger's number is lower than uh, than Rupee Hintz's number. Yeah, just I guess it's uh, potential magic beans. Well, exactly. And if all of a sudden he goes out and they win the cup and he has a couple shutouts or something, then yeah. I mean, there's obviously a lot of recency bias. Uh, Andy, this is going to be fun. I can't wait for these series to get going. Of course, the Cup final. And then uh, into the offseason, well, we're already in the offseason right here talking about trades and where Connor <laughs> Hellebuck's going to be and all that. But uh, fill people in on where they can see your content, what you've got cooking up for uh, the remainder of the final four in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, head on over to vsin.com, daily NHL playoff updates, series probabilities, you know, updated picks and predictions. Uh, and Monday to Friday, the VSIN Hockey Betting Podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Myself and Danny Burke, great host over at VSIN. Break down the NHL over every day. We we have guests on frequently. Like today, we had uh, Dom Lushizan on from the Athletics. So check it out and uh, and give us a give us a listen. Appreciate it, buddy. Have a great one. Enjoy the games. Thanks a lot, guys. You too. Good stuff. There's Andy McNeil. You can follow him on Twitter as well at Digital Gambler and the Veasan guys. If you do like betting or just like the information on it. Great, great stuff over at uh, over at their site. All right, Dave Pagnotta coming up from the fourth period in just a couple minutes. Uh, ready for some May long weekend grilling? Head on over to our friends at Vita Health. You know that they've got great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, but they also have the best selection of local products in town. Not to mention delicious Vita Market grass-fed bison and beef steaks for the grill. And the perfect thing to help you digest that red meat, Health First Prime Zyme Digestive Enzymes available at Vita Health, helping you break down proteins, carbs, fats, lactose, and reduce digestive discomfort so you can enjoy all that delicious food you're cooking. And hey, if you can't make it down to any of the Vita Health stores, you can visit their website to buy online with local delivery available. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Seven Winnipeg locations and online at myvita.ca. How's the fence looking? How's your garage door looking? If you've got needs when it comes to fencing or your overhead doors, Wallace & Wallace has been the expert serving residential and commercial customers since 1946. Uh, any type of fence they've got you covered vinyl ornamental welded wire chain link or wood all available and if it's time to replace your garage door they are the uh, clopay dealer in manitoba and have winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors 452-2700 is the number of the wallace and wallace team will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate you can also visit them at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on lawson road off of Keniston. Guys, as we head into spring and summer, if your closet needs a little bit of improvement, uh, only one place to go, and that's to head on down to F Apparel. See Andrew, Alex, and their great staff with all sorts of menswear options, including custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. In a wedding this summer, Talk to them about a 15% discount for 
suits for the fellas for all wedding parties. And uh, if you need a suit for a 2023 high school grad, get a free custom shirt and tie for the young man with the purchase of a new suit. F Apparel's at 190 Smith Street downtown. You can make an appointment online or check them out at F, that's E-P-H, apparel.com. And I did see the launch of the new summer blizzard flavors over at the Nick and Nicky DQ four locations. And that, listen, we know we love these blizzards 12 months a year, but when we're talking about pushing 30 degrees on May long weekend, it is a must to put on the docket for things to do over the course of the weekend, head on down to the DQ Northgate DQ Polo park DQ St. Anne's or the DQ Niverville Jump on some of those new summer blizzard flavors. Grab a stack burger while you're at it. And hey, hit them up on Instagram like our pal Tony uh, T. Conopoli did yesterday at DQ Manitoba if you want to get a DQ ice cream or blizzard cake for your next upcoming event. Big thanks to Nick and Nikki for their support of WST. Um, all right, Dave Pagnotta coming up in a couple minutes. Do a quick look at the NFC. Everyone losing it in the chat about uh, Canadian Corey Connors, who's up at the top of the leaderboard, uh, although I believe he may have just given one back on 16, uh, but had buried three of his last four holes. Uh, was two under on the front for 33. Bogeyed number 10, but had birdies on 12, 14, and 15 before a bogey on 16 has him tied for the lead right now with Victor Hovland of Norway, who's looking resplendent. Always one of the best-dressed golfers on tour. Uh, but a great start for Corey Connors right now. Other guys up at the top of the leaderboard. Sahith Thagala, who uh, I will say we uh, put a little sprinkle on him at 100-1 to to win the tournament in the lock shop. He's had a great year so far. Sahith is two under. Scotty Scheffler, the co-favorite with John Rahm, two under. Has not been going well for Rombo, though. I think he was at four under the last time I saw it. And, oh, my God, a Bryson DeChambeau sighting. DeChambeau two under par for his round after uh, not doing too well on the Live Tour this year. All right, let's get back to the pucks. There are so many stories outside of the series that begin tonight and tomorrow. We'll get to all of it right now with our guy Dave Pagnota from the fourth period. David, what's up? How are you? Fantastic. Uh, I get to go to Florida, so I'm a little better mood than I normally would be. But uh, yeah, playoffs done here in Toronto. So off to Florida, I go to uh, so luckily somehow gets game three and four of that series under my belt. Beauty. It should be. It should be awesome. Hey, listen, just before we get to everything else, what uh, what's the week been like around the blue and white? Uh, I mean, a really <laughs> anticlimactic end to the playoffs, to be honest. I mean, you get that huge win, you get over the hump and then before you even know it, I mean, you're down two nothing, a no-show in game three. And listen, yeah. they got a win, but, um, you know, losing an overtime at home. Uh, a lot of questions about what what that team and what the organization, not just the team on the ice, is going to look like, you know, in a month or two and certainly come a drop of the puck in October. Yeah, they got 10 unrestricted free agents they got to worry about. They got a GM that needs a new contract, which they, they started talking about that beforehand. And then, um, I guess... Kyle has some family decisions that he needs to make and, and all of that, which totally respect. Um, but the Leafs are going to want an answer within the next week, I would imagine, so that they can plan things out. They'd like to have him back. Um, I think he's earned the opportunity to sign an extension, um, but it's going to come down to what he and his family want want to do. And then, you're right, then they got to figure out all the offense, uh, or excuse me, the, the on-ice issues 
Um, are you going to trade out some offense for some more physicality, for some more sound D? Uh, there are a lot of decisions that have to be made. Their bottom six is wide open. They don't have a bottom six under contract at the moment, unless you want to really piece things. Um, I know Dubas was talking about some of the young kids that are coming up, but they need to they need to insulate their core, whoever stays, with the right pieces in place uh, for for a full eighty two game season and beyond. Uh, because their window is still open. It's just, how do you keep it open? Um, Matthews, you know, we've heard he wants to stay there. I'd imagine yeah. they'll work on some sort of extension and get that done. Marner's no trade kicks in. He's got two years left on his deal. Um, is there? Do you do you see a possibility that Mitch Marner is traded? Um, and, and maybe beyond that, I mean, of that big four, I mean, I, God, that eleven million dollar ticket on Tavares, I think, is pretty tough to move. Um, will will the big three, if you will, taking out Tavares, but Nylander, Matthews, Marner, all be Leafs at the uh, start of next season? What's the percentage on that? Fifty fifty. Wow. Um, but I will preface it by saying, first of all. Um, uh, yes, Mar- Matthews will get an, an extension. I think it's going to be a three- or five-year extension with the Leafs. They've, they've had some very loose discussions throughout the course of the regular season. Both sides kind of have an idea of where everybody is at pre-playoffs. So they'll reconvene, I would imagine, once Dubas' situation is finalized one way or another. Um, if he stays, they'll escalate the Matthews talks. If he doesn't, then they got to find a GM and go from there. Um, but he'll stick around. Uh, beyond that, I'm not too sure, but I'm very confident that he will sign his extension this offseason and then they'll they'll go from there. Um, Mitch is their best player. I mean, I know Matthews is the guy that had the 60 goals last year and has kind of stolen the spotlight for good reason. But overall, Mitch Marner is their best player. And I don't understand the full storylines and, and, and everything that's – geared towards the possibility of trading him. I wouldn't. Um, he is a line driver. He makes his his lines better. He's not physical, but he, he's sound defensively. Um, he is, a, like I said, a, a playmaking driver offensively. He was a big contributor as to why John Tavares scored 40 goals uh, or 47, whatever it was, in his first season with the Leafs because they were playing together. 91 contributes a lot of that success to Marner. He was He wants him on his line. Um, I don't see a scenario where he gets traded that a scenario that makes sense. I think William Nylander, his value will not be higher. He is a player that can excel even more, give him full-time top line minutes, give him full power play usage, forget about his defensive lapses. But if I'm moving anybody, it's, it's 88. And I'll say that by also indicating that I would take him on my team any day of the week. Um, it's just given the Leafs circumstances and given the fact that they need to make some adjustments to this roster, I think he's the odd man out, quite frankly. Interesting. And I'll tell you what, making less than $7 million with his production, he'd uh, look pretty good. He's got one year left on his contract before becoming a UFA. Sounds familiar to those of us here in Winnipeg. (laughs) Uh, Because as we get to the Jets, I mean, obviously the Leafs story was a big one this week, along with Edmonton being bounced out. Um, but I don't think there's uh, any doubt that, Dave, when you look around this league at teams that have a lot on their plate and mm-hmm. the potential of big, significant moves, Winnipeg has to be at the top of the list. I mean, I was looking at the Athletic, talked about this earlier on the show. 
They put up a trade bait board. Four of the top eight guys on the list are current members of the Winnipeg Jets. I mean, I'll just put this to you. I mean, you're talking to people around the league. What are yep. you hearing about the Winnipeg Jets situation? And um, how do you see this playing out? Or what have you heard about some of the top players? Now starting with Connor Hellebuck, who with all the talk about elite goaltending and how little there is of it around the league, um, yep. Certainly there would be plenty of suitors for a guy of Helly's nature if, of course, he does hit the market. Yeah, yeah, there, there would be a ton of teams that would line up to try to – New Jersey, Pittsburgh, um, L.A., uh, so on and so on. There are a lot of teams that would love to get their hands on this caliber goaltender. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, even some other teams that seem to be stable in net. I mean, to get a, a player of his caliber between the pipes at his age as well – like some people look at me and we were talking about, it and he's like, he's, well, he's got to be like 35. No, no, he's, he's got a lot left in the tank. Um, just for whatever reason, there's this uh, persona, I guess, or, or whatever, that he's a lot older than he is, maybe because he's been around for a little while and, and just been so good for so long. But there would be a ton of interest in this guy if he hits the open market. And then you've got, you know, Wheeler, Shifley, Dubois. Um, I think, you know, usually around conference final, that's when – these types of discussions really start to, to pick up. And, and by pick up, I mean now we're starting to see regular conversations with teams a month away from the draft, give or take, five weeks, whatever it is. This is when teams start to really execute their planning stages and what they want to do. And they have all their meetings and they'll conduct their scouting and their internal meetings again and map out what plans they want to initiate. And when you've got players of this caliber – that are potentially available, or at least Chevy is given some indication that he would listen. Um, that's when things start to percolate and, and, and begin. So I would imagine in this next couple of weeks, as we get closer to the cup final, we're, we're going to start to hear some of these storylines kind of pick up a little bit with respect to some of these players. There's not much right now in terms of, you know, serious, significant discussions that yes, we're close on something, but that, that will pick up. And, you know, he's got, Shevel Dayoff has some work to do. He's got some planning to do. And you look at this team, the rest of the core, I mean, this is still a good team. This is still a really good team. You have Morrissey, you have Connor, you have Ehlers, you have Perfetti, um, who's, I mean, he's already initiated and started his, his off-season training here in Toronto. Uh, and so, I mean, this is a guy that's already geared up for next season and ready to go heal up and, and, and have a hell of a season next year. That's his mentality already. Um, so the core of this team, the young core is still very much intact outside of those four guys that are, you know, effectively out there. You know, Dave, I mean, I am of the opinion that, you know, Kevin Sheveldayev has got a unique and probably one of, if not the most difficult jobs in the NHL as the general manager here in Winnipeg because of the amount of guys that have Winnipeg on their no trade list because of the challenges when it comes to attracting free agents and, you know, knowing those parameters if these players are being dealt, I mean, I really think that the uh, the focus of Chevy is going to be on younger players either coming out of ELCs or on that first contract that have multiple years of team control that might not have popped yet as NHLers but come with plenty of potential that, and the team would believe that given the opportunity that they maybe haven't had where they're at, 
they could turn into those players that, you know, you're giving up. I mean, listen, if the Jets lose Mark Shifley and Pierre-Luc Dupois, I mean, those are your top two centers. It's a huge hole. When you look around the league, I mean, we've heard about Buffalo as an interesting target for potentially a hellebuck and what might come back there with, you know, a lesser goaltending prospect, but what that would mean in younger players. New Jersey's another one. Which teams do you think would make good trade partners for Winnipeg, whether we're talking about one of those two centers or Hellebuck, to get the Jets what they need, talented young players under team control, and teams that would be willing on giving up on those to get proven assets to win and replay them right now? Well, I I mean, first of all, I would say I don't know the extent of the appetite that Chevy has to strictly move these assets out and bring in only younger pieces. Uh, I think because of the window still being open, because of the current core, the the remaining core, the four guys I mentioned earlier, um, I think he wants to add to that. I don't think he wants to necessarily regress. I think there's going to be some type of regression, but I don't know if every potential deal that he makes will follow that mindset. I don't think it'll be, okay, I'm going to move Hellebuck for a younger goalie and uh, a guy in the first year of his second deal outside of, or his first deal outside of the ELC. Um, and if he can get extra minutes, he'll hit this potential. I don't think that will be the package that goes towards Shifley, Dubois, Hellebuck, Wheeler, all of them. I think it's going to be a combination if he does move out all of these types of pieces. Um, so I think we're going to see some deals where that makes sense, but I think we're going to see some others. And, and I'm going to use Shifley as the example here. I think if they move Mark Shifley, even with one year left on his deal, I think that's more of your talent for talent type of swap. Uh, I think Wheeler, you're going to have to retain, and that's going to affect the package. I think that would be a, a lesser type of package, so to speak, Definitely. more geared towards yeah, more geared towards futures. But I think a Dubois or um, uh, a Shifley, excuse me, I think those types of deals and, and Dubois tricky. Um, because of the whole Montreal connection, all that stuff. Um, but I think those are the two guys that you look to swap talent for talent, and you look at a Wheeler and a Hellebuck if he does want to leave um, or is not going to sign an extension right now, and you, you're kind of forcing your hand. I think those are the two areas where that type of deal, younger assets, make more sense. You mentioned Buffalo. They've got a lot of it. Um, New Jersey, we talked about earlier. They're another team that has some good young pieces and a goaltender, a young goaltender that they could – include in a package now the key to maximizing a return here will be will the jets give these teams permission to discuss an extension and have a handshake agreement because everybody other than uh dubois can sign an extension oh wait they're in their last no no july 1 for all of these guys except except dubois so handshake type agreement sign a july 1 um, which we've seen before uh so it's really going to come down to will a potential extension discussion be allowed and if it is and they agree to one that would help maximize the return um speaking of dubois uh, let's talk about montreal because there's been so much smoke about dubois potentially ending up at montreal one way or the other um some say that you know that's sort of tied chevy's hands on this uh, much like jacob truba's situation where he was only going to talk extension with the new york rangers but I do wonder about you know where Montreal is his team right now, having suffered through another miserable season, the want to speed this up and you know become 
a you know a competitive team next year. I mean, if you look at Montreal, if they were able to get Dubois and say, let's just say for a minute they're trading, you know, some players not on the roster or you know a first round pick, you know, a package like that, and you all yeah. of a sudden have Nick Suzuki, Pierre Luc Dubois, and Kirby Doc down the middle. To me, that's a very competitive team and one that can definitely take that next step. I'm sure the Jets would love or would be interested in getting Kirby Doc back if that was part of it. But I'm interested in your your thoughts on the the mindset in Montreal as to a level of urgency to get this done this year for Dubois and at the same time avoiding the possibility of say something like a center needy team like the Boston Bruins going right. in, making a move, getting Dubois, and then going, hey, you know what? I kind of like it here. This is neat, following in the footsteps of a great French player like Bergeron and all of a sudden being public enemy in number one in Montreal as opposed right. to being the homecoming hero. I mean, what do you make of all of that scenario? Because I think there's a lot of moving parts on that, and there's some different ways that the Habs could approach it. Right. Um and, and that's a great point because the risk here for the Canadians in not making a move now, and let's say the Jets do move him elsewhere, uh, is he falls in love with the market, he falls in love with the team and says, you know what, no, I'm going to stick here. I like it. Um, that's the risk from the Canadians' perspective. At the same time, though, the Canadians have made it pretty clear that they're going to maintain the direction that they're going in right now. So they're not going to necessarily force the issue. Now, had they won, you know, won the lottery and had the first or second overall pick – that would have escalated things even further. Uh, but they didn't. They'll, they'll draft fifth unless they make a move. But the trajectory of their rebuild is, is still on track. So to expedite that process in a certain way by giving up a little extra for Dubois, I just don't get the sense that that's something that Kent Hughes, the GM of the Habs, has any interest in doing at the moment. Is he, gonna, is he willing to move out a, a competitive offer or present, excuse me, a competitive offer? I think so. Would it be to the extent that would probably make Jets fans happy? I don't think so. Uh, so uh, unless there's a huge mind shift and another deal falls into their lap elsewhere that continues to expedite their process, I just I don't see a scenario where the, where the Canadians are going. Yeah, okay, we'll we'll make this move. Now we'll give up a little extra. Um, I, I don't I don't see that. A lot of things can change, um, but that's kind of the 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 word out of Montreal right now. Again, one phone call changes everything. And the Canadians definitely would love to get a guy like Pierre-Luc Dubois on their roster. But I, I, I just don't see a scenario right now where they would overpay um, or, or give an offer or, or a package that fans would go totally worth it. I think it would be lackluster. Let me hit you with one more of this, and I know you're very tied into the Kings uh, through DB and your, your work on the uh, on the fourth period. Um, the unique thing about this situation with Winnipeg is, like, if those three key players, the two centers and Hellebuck are moved, mm-hmm. you're not necessarily filling the center spot with the center trade in the other way. And we've heard the Los right. Angeles Kings very much interested in getting a franchise goaltender like yeah. a Connor Hellebuck. Uh, I have to wonder, I mean, you know, if a Shifley or Dubois was traded, you might be able to get a goaltender of the moment or a goaltender of the future through one of those deals. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you make of the Kings kind of younger players' prospects? And I guess if you were talking about getting a Vesna Trophy winner, <laughs> in your opinion, 
is Quinton Byfield untouchable or might he be a player that, um, you know, if they really made a push to get the, you know, the Kings would consider giving up if it meant getting a guy like Hellebuck in their net long term? I don't have any sense and have not gotten any sense that they have any interest in moving that guy. Now, if Hellebuck is signed or agrees to an extension and it's cost effective, then that may change their mindset. But um, speaking to people with the Kings, even this week, um, th- right now they're trying to move out money. They're trying to see how they can move out money. So if, you know, Helly does end up in a deal to LA, can Rob Blake convince Chevy to take on Cal Peterson and his $5 million cap hit in net with two more years left on that deal? Uh, then maybe that, that changes things a little bit, but they're looking to move Peterson. They're looking to move Sean Walker and his $2.65 million cap hit out of LA. They would consider other pieces like an Amadio, uh, excuse me, Amadio, um, Ayafalo, excuse me. Um, and his new extension kicks in, I think at four, four and a half million, like, and, and a valuable piece. Um, but I don't know if a guy like Byfield, like Byfield and, and Brant Clark are two guys, two young up and coming studs on this team that they have no interest in moving. Alex Turcott, fifth overall a number of years ago, he is available. Um, Tobias uh, Bjornfoot, first-round pick a few years ago, he is available. He was actually part of the offer that they presented to Arizona for uh, Jacob Chikrin. Um, they, they're willing to move out other pieces, but they're trying to free up some money in order to fit some, some bill. Would they love Hellebuck? 100%. And I believe they would kick tires to see how that would even be a possibility. But from my, 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 and I don't know this definitively, but reading the tea leaves and talking to people within that organization, my guess would be you'd have to take back Peterson as part of a deal and then discuss all the other parameters. But he's got two years left at $5 million, and he was in the A all season long. <laughs> Dave, thanks so much. And oh, we didn't even listen. We'll have another few years to talk about the Coyote situation. We'll do that some oh, yeah. other time. Uh, yeah. Hey, have a nice time down in uh, Fort Lauderdale. Should be a great series. Uh, hey, just quickly yeah. on the way out, who's going to be playing for the Cup in two weeks? Oh man, um, I, I picked Dallas at the start of the playoffs, so I'll stick with Dallas. Uh, and I think Florida. I think the Panthers are going to pull this one out. And six. <laughs> it's going to be a couple great series. Thanks for doing this, pal. Keep <laughs> up the great work and uh, say hi to Dennis for us. You got it, buddy. We'll do. Thanks. Good st- stuff. There's Dave Pagnotta, the fourth period.com. And uh, of course, give him and uh, the fellows a follow on Twitter as well. All right. We're going to uh, welcome in Brandon Rewicki in a few minutes. Just before we do that, Mention Goldeyes Home Opener Friday night. And of course, Princess Auto, huge sponsors and supporters of the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, and, of course, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers and us here at Winnipeg Sports Talk. Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Pop by and see them at one of two Winnipeg locations, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, or shop online and get those ideas flowing 24-7, 365 over at princessauto.com. Uh, well, we mentioned how gorgeous it's going to be on the weekend. 
uh, and that means everything's growing. Uh, but is it growing enough on your property? If you need irrigation solutions or systems, you need to talk to our pal Joe over at Consolidated Supply, the ir leaders in irrigation systems, working with the golf industry, keeping our beautiful courses green for decades. They've also got artificial turf, new and used golf carts as the club car dealer in Manitoba, and other great options for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchen options, and of course, small engine parts and repair. Pop by and see them at Consolidated Supply. Their showroom is open to the public at 1395 Niagara Road East, or find out more online at cte.ca. Well, gang, it's time to get outside and enjoy spring and get ready for summer, and Royal Sports is waiting for you at 750 Pemina Highway with all sorts of things to help you uh, make the most of uh, the beautiful weather for the next few months. Soccer, baseball, softball, tennis equipment, and so much more, not to mention a huge selection of bikes along with the biggest hockey section in town, soccer gear from around the world, and of course the best selection of licensed team gear and merchandise from uh, all of your favorite teams and leagues. Pop down to uh, see them at 750 Pembina Highway and make sure to follow them on Instagram for uh, all the latest merchandise drops and sale information, including their massive tent sales. Just had the first one of the summer and spring last weekend. Keep your eyes out for more tent sales and those amazing savings when they get set up outside in the parking lot. Royal Sports, 750 Pemina Highway. And just before we bring in Rewiki, the games are back tonight. If you're looking for a great spot to gather with friends and watch the conference finals, no better place than Boston Pizza, the new Fanalytics menu, including those deep-fried pickles, spears, and the new triple-play platter. Always ready to go, along with ice-cold scooters, famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and so much more. And if you can't make it out to watch the game, you can always order online and get it delivered at bostonpizza.com. All right, let's get Rewiki in here and... Get his thoughts on the upcoming series as well as everything else happening around the league. Rue, what's up, buddy? How are you? Doing good, man. It's day one of a major, so always in a good mood when we got that going on. But yeah, I think things are going pretty good. Absolutely. I knew we'd be able to talk a little golf while you're at it. Look at this. Uh, Scotty Scheffler, three under par. You knew that he'd be right there. But how about the start for Corey Connors? Three under on his round playing the uh, 17th hole. Yeah, hey, hey, I mean, I don't know. Like, I don't know if the dude that uh, takes care of the greens and the pin location, like, if he's got a vendetta against golfers or, or what his deal is, but that was diabolical. Well, that's something I think fifteen and two. It's like three feet to the to the edge of the rough there, but it's it's going to be a beauty this week, and I think you'll like who I've got good vibes on because I I, I think I'm leaning. I think I'm going to go with your boy. I, th Tony, I think Tony breaks through Tony, this week. Tony, yes. I am so fired up for the round this afternoon. The timing worked out perfectly. I'll be able to see most of his afternoon round, and then he'll go off in the morning tomorrow. I mean, listen, he's and and this sort of a course, I think, in a lot of ways, does really set up for him. I mean, he can bang it as far as anybody, um, but it is going to be a great short game. The ability to putt and the ability to get through some of the ups and downs, uh, because there's been plenty of them for a lot of players, including a guy like Rory McIlroy. But uh, Oh, Brandon, let's have a Tony Finau victory party next week on the program when uh, when we get there. Um, as far as, listen, we're going to get to the conference finals, but <laughs> anyone that was with us for a long time down on Pembina Highway at 1290, especially someone as long as you, 
remembers the Goldwater Institute, Little Logan, and chapter after chapter after chapter of the Arizona Coyotes' existence. Um, <laughs> what uh, what did you make of the uh, no vote from the folks in Tempe? And uh, it doesn't sound like they're going to be leaving at any point this year, but um, they can't go through this again. We're hearing today that, oh, they're going to go to Mesa now. But just as a cautionary tale, it will involve another vote. They haven't done very well in votes. Yeah, well, with with Gary involved, as as long as he's a part of this, he'll he'll put them in some unknown desert, two hundred miles away from Phoenix, if he can find a way to put some ice in there. Is there a it's, casino there? Is there a casino yeah, like attached? Yeah, we got a sports book and a bit of ice. We're gonna find a way to make this thing work. It's, I mean, this has been. And look, I feel terrible for the fans. Yeah, and there, there's not a ton of them, but there, there's a lot of them still. And, I mean, we all had to deal with the heartbreak from 96. So I, I, I totally understand that side of things. But it's just been such a mess for so long that this is – it's it's just beyond overdue. And, again, imagine literally any other destination in the NHL going through what the Coyotes have gone through. We can even just do the last five years. We don't have to do the last 20 years, but just the last five alone. Any Canadian city – that tried to play in a college town, in a college rink, would have been off to Houston before they could even get off the phone with Gary. Any any team that was in the the middle of the U.S., they'd be out the door too if they were doing. It's just it's so ridiculous. And you know, Bedman's done. You know, he do have to give him credit with a lot of things in terms of expansion and relocation. Like he's he's nailed the last two. Obviously, the NHL has. But even the California-Florida thing, for the most part, is, has been extremely successful. Just take the 80% hit rate and give up on the Arizona dream. Like, the NFL did just fine for so many years, ignoring the magnitude of the L.A. market. Now, I know they went back there, a bit of a different comparison between the two. But the NFL didn't try to force something when it wasn't going to work. And and for whatever reason, Gary just will not let Phoenix go. And it's even more maddening. I mean, from a Canadian perspective, when you know that you have a ready-made to-go market in Quebec City, just lying there, begging for a team, getting 17, 18K people a night watching junior hockey right now, you know they'd fill the, the stands every single night for the Coyotes team. But there's such a fixation on the size of the Phoenix market when Houston's bigger than Phoenix. I'm just pushing with Houston. It, it, it makes way too much sense here. The only thing I could think of is that this is, and I've said this before, this is some kind of money laundering scheme from the NHL. Because I don't know how the rest of the owners can, <laughs> Criminal can look around and say, dealings. yeah, like, what, but I mean, how how many millions? I mean, I don't know why the NHLPA hasn't gotten into this because well, Arizona's cost them millions on the cap every single year. And then in terms of, of revenue, league-wide revenue, you're missing out on tens of millions of dollars year after year after year. This happens. It's it's crazy, man. Yeah. I, I, the one thing I'll say, I guess, in the defense of uh, of Bettman is that, I mean, this clearly was a priority. And you mentioned, I mean, it is a massive sports market. Um, and everyone knew that, I mean, there was no chance of this succeeding as long as they were in Glendale. And, and how that happened to begin with, I mean, whatever. That was a big mistake that they paid for for a long time. I will say this, that proposal that they had, I mean, obviously they were confident that it was going to go through. Uh, it didn't. But if that happened, having a building of that stature 
in that spot around all the money, people not having to drive an hour and a half to the games, I actually think it would have been really successful. So I kind of understand why they gave this last shot. I can't think for a second that they're going to actually entertain starting this all over again at a new spot at some mall in Mesa, Arizona, and trying to make this happen again. I mean, to me, that Tuesday night was the final nail in the coffin, at least right now. This team is going to move at some point in the next year in all likelihood. And at that point, you can go and build an arena. If you go get an arena in a great spot in four or five years, they're doing more expansion. There's someone to do, then maybe go back. But both the league and you mentioned the PA. The PA has to be a big, I mean, they're 50-50 partners in this business right now. Everyone's losing money because of it. And there is absolutely no solution on the horizon um, to me, this is going to be 41 more games and no playoff games at Mullet Arena. 5,000 fans are going to be able to say bye-bye to the Coyotes, and uh, we'll see them next year. Houston, to me, does make the most sense, especially if Fertitta, the guy that owns the building yeah. and the Rockets, wants to own a team. Um, otherwise, I saw my guy Mahomes uh, tweeting at the NHL. How about KC? Salt Lake is the interesting one. I mean, that was not really on my radar at all, but I guess with the potential of the Olympics coming there, there is the thought that there will be a new building. The one that they have right now is built in 91. I think the Jazz need one anyways. And the owner there was the guy that was sort of being that backup plan. So uh, there are some pretty intriguing options for the league, I'd say. Yeah, Portland too. Like to do the whole Seattle Portland rivalry. I mean, man, you could you can name thirty different cities that would do better than the entire state of Arizona right now. <laughs> it's just and and I think you you even made the great point, and and this is something that I've said before too, is that like letting the Coyotes go doesn't mean hockey dies in the desert for the rest of eternity. Like, you can find a way to make this thing work again. As Winnipeg has shown very well that if you get all your ducks in order and you're ready to go the next time around, you know, what's what's stopping the NHL from trying this one more time when things are at a much more stable uh, spot, right? So it, it, it does feel, and I, I really wonder what the, you know, I, I assume, again, I'm not going to discount the the possibility that they try to, to find a way to keep the team in Arizona, but, like, I really wonder, even though it's a college rink like how full is that arena going to be with people knowing that this team is one foot out the door and how much more embarrassment could this could the NHL possibly have if a 4,000 seat capacity arena has about 1,500 people in it and it looks less packed than the the Selkirk wreck back in the day when the Steelers were hosting OCN so I, I I don't think I don't think I think two things I don't think the NHL is done trying to force the Coyotes to stay there. And I don't think the Coyotes are done embarrassing the rest of the NHL while they attempt to do so. Hey, nothing was more embarrassing. Did you see, um, was it Gutierrez, their CEO, with his statement on uh, with his statement on Tuesday night, starting it off, we're incredibly disappointed about the, the vote. And then he goes on and he starts thanking all the people that helped them. And then, the, do we, Remus, yeah, if you have this, let's play this. 
if you miss this. And then right out, you know how in the Oscars where someone has taken too much time with their speech and they start playing music to get them off the stage? Yeah. It happened 50 seconds into it, and it's the most awkward. Remo, just play this, folks. If you missed it, I don't blame you for not watching every press conference out of th- Tuesday night's vote. I've watched this at least 10 times. It gets funnier every time I've seen it. This was from Tuesday night. Hold on one sec. I'm just grabbing it. I do have it. I do have it. <laughs> okay. Can you give we'll me a second? Up. I mean, and this just goes along the line of, I mean, thank you all for being. Ways, Remo, or, uh, Brandon, it's kind of become a bit of a dark comedy um, that, I mean, listen, I realize that there are some people that, you know, because it was our team originally and everything that's gone in, what Winnipeg had to do to get a team back. There's, It's a little different here than everywhere else. Um, but listen, it doesn't make stuff like this any less funny. This was uh, this is from Tuesday night. Thank you all for being here. Again, my name is Javier Gutierrez. I'm president and CEO of the Arizona Coyotes. I'm going to make a brief remark. I will not take any questions. We are very disappointed that Tempe voters did not approve Propositions 301, 302, and 303. As Tempe Mayor Corey Woods said, this was the best sports deal, sports deal in the history of Arizona. The Coyotes wish to thank every single person who supported our efforts and voted yes. So many community leaders stepped up and became our advocates, and for that, we will forever truly be grateful. We also wish to thank the countless volunteers who worked so hard to try and make the Tempe Entertainment District a reality, and the Tempe City Council for their unanimous approval and support as well. Sorry. Should we? Can we put, thank you. Well, we wanted a different outcome. I mean, could there be a more perfect end to, I mean, literally, the, the the world is playing the music for the Coyotes to finish the speech and beat it to somewhere the else. Only thing that, the only thing that was missing there was a mission accomplished banner behind him that had furled halfway through the speech. <laughs> oh, my God. I laughed so hard at that. I just kept on going back in the look. He's like, what the hell's going on? Uh, yeah. we, uh, like, didn't even know what to say. Anyways, the... Uh, it will be really interesting as to what this does to their offseason. Because, I mean, this is the thing. They've been gathering assets and trading players and being super cheap and trading for retired guys that still have contracts so they can get to the cap floor. Um, and I guess maybe that would continue a little bit for this year, Mullet. But, I mean, if they were building the arena, the whole plan would be going forward to it. Um, that's not happening right now. And... I guess all we can expect is the exact same bargain basement um, clearing house for bad contracts and um, probably quite a bit of bad hockey as well for another season. Yeah, uh, I guess, I don't know, Carey Price, come on down to Arizona. Carey Price's contract, I should say. Like, that, yeah. it, it's, it's gonna be, it might even be worse than that, in all honesty. I mean, you might just try to get as close to the floor as possible and then load it up with, with retirees and injured player, the Flyers got a bunch of those, so maybe they could ship a couple out to Arizona. It's 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 going to be ugly. It's going to be embarrassing, and it's look, it's just going to continue to be this way until the NHL just smartens up, realizes that you know what, we we did good in Vegas, California, Florida, 
pretty good success rate. Let's just take the L on Arizona, and maybe we'll try again in a couple decades. All right. Brandon Rewicki's with us. Check out Skates and Plates wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Um, we've talked a lot about Dubois and Shifley's future, what trades would look like for them, uh, and now we're hearing a lot about Connor Hellebuck. Um, what, Brandon, if you put your GM hat on for a minute, and let's say that you're Kevin Chevalier and you realize you pretty much have to make these moves, where, where where is your ask starting with these players? And if there's one, I mean, obviously there's Montreal with Dubois, but if Shifley or Connor Hellebuck, if there's a particular team or a match, I know you've spent some time thinking about this, that makes sense to kind of start. But um, what, like w- w- in your mind, what is the right return for the Winnipeg Jets that's realistic given the uh, the market? Yeah, I mean, there, there's really two ways they can go about it, I think. I mean, to me, it's either you get a first-round pick at a top prospect back, which is kind of the going rate for any high-end player on the trade market, or you, you try to do whatever it takes to just get that that one premium asset back. And then that's how I always like to go about Like, to me, doing the lottery ticket thing, it, it can work. It, it seldom does, though. I mean, the, the old, the old uh, axiom is... You know, the team that trades or acquires the best player in a trade is ultimately the team that, that wins the trade. So you got to try to mitigate that somewhat if you're the Jets in that situation. And that's taking a gamble on maybe a 21, 22, 23-year-old who has the potential but hasn't been given the opportunity yet. So that, that's the way that I would try to go about it. It, it. It's But it's so much different with Hellebuck because goalie trades are so underwhelming for the team that that gives up the star goalie. Like, there's just... You look at the, the the trades that have been made, and, and the returns on those are are just nowhere near the value that that star goalie brings, starting fifty to sixty games at, at an all star level. So it, it's tough to get a sense of it. I mean, and I, I guess the main thing, if, if you're Chevy here, is you want to try to find the most desperate team, and if you can amp up the leverage as much as you can, maybe this is a trade that you can not win, but but come out looking okay on, and. In terms of desperation, I, I know Buffalo has been mentioned a much uh, a bunch, but it, it feels like it's a year too early for the Sabers to get in on this, especially when you have Levi waiting in the wings there for the Sabers. That a stopgap makes more sense than going all out for a Connor Hellebuck. New Jersey, maybe, but uh, to, to me, the team that would be the most desperate here is the Edmonton Oilers, and I mean, we just we we, we watched them potentially lose a cup because their goalies couldn't stop a beach ball. More specifically, Stuart Skinner just couldn't get a save for them through two rounds. And so you wonder if if that's maybe the team you might look to target. And I know Dylan Holloway is a high-end prospect for them. Maybe some kind of a package of a first Dylan Holloway, and then you figure out the rest from there is is enough to get it going. But I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a weird UFA market, too, for players and skaters, but... There's a few decent goalies out there right now, and teams might look at that and say, you know, we get one of these guys in with somebody that we have. Maybe that's enough to get us by right now. And then on top of it, you know, if you're looking to get a high-end goalie, as 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 great as Hellebuck is, top three in the NHL, are you going to risk one year of Connor Hellebuck walking to free agency? Or maybe do you make a, a similar move for a John Gibson, who has more term on his deal? Or a UC Soros, who has a few more years on his deal, right? So it's it's a tricky spot for the Jets to be in in terms of trying to come out on top in a Connor Hellebuck trade, which is honestly why, I mean, for, for a number of reasons, but it's it's why I, I do whatever it takes to keep him here at Winnipeg and mm-hmm. however many years it takes, however many millions it takes, I don't really have a problem with that. But let's let's try to keep high-end talent 
here with the Jets as opposed to trying to find a minute way of winning a trade like that. Yeah, listen, I, I don't disagree with that. I think my uh, thoughts on Hellebuck are well documented on this program, but if he's not into signing and he doesn't feel like the direction of the club is one that is going to get him the Stanley Cup, um, you kind of pretty much, like, that's why it's so different. I think this team, and I've said this all week, I think the team wants to move on from Shifley and Wheeler and feels that it's important for them to do that. Um all things being equal, I think they prefer just to sign and keep Pierre-Luc Dubois and Connor Hellebuck. But if that is not available, we know that this team can't afford to let those guys go without getting you know legitimate assets back. And what's interesting, and I was just talking about this Dave Pagnotta. I mean, you don't necessarily, if those three guys are going, and again, these are big ifs right now, but I think there is obviously a legitimate chance that that does happen. You know, you could always address goaltending through one of the other trades or even potentially a free agent, um, you know, you're not necessarily getting a goalie back. But Dave just did bring, did something uh, brought up. And I was asking about Quentin Byfield and just how untouchable he is in L.A. Um, you know, if you're going to get and be able to sign and keep a Vesna Trophy winning goaltender for long term, you know, that, that that sort of a player is what I'd be looking for for Dayoff. He's on his ELC. You have team control for another four or five years. And there's the potential that he can turn into a player that resembles one of the two guys that you're leaving at such an important position in the middle. And he had mentioned, like, unlikely that they'd be, you know, willing to uh, to move on him. But... You know, maybe that changes a little bit if you're willing to take the contract of Cal Peterson, who stunk last year and ended up spending it in the American Hockey League. Now, the dollar for dollar, I mean, Byfield's on an ELC, so he's making like 894000 next year, would need a contract after next season. There's two more years of Peterson. Regardless of whether they think that Peterson is even salvageable, I mean, does that sort of a, an ask make sense from a Winnipeg standpoint? And, you know, they'll have some cap room. I and mean, You can basically eat a player that might be eating something up. But to me, and this goes back to your point of getting either that blue chip player or a player that you know is going to come in and be able to produce for you at a very important position longer than one or two years. Because I think if you're moving off from a guy like Shifley that has been your number one center for so long, it can't just be a bunch of stopgap measures and complete lottery tickets. Yeah, I, I mean, nodding my head so hard it might fall off my shoulders. It's, I mean, he's, he's the perfect target. Like, that's the dream player to go after. And, I mean, at the very least... If you acquire Quinton Byfield and, you know, you're worried about can we resign him, can we retain him, all that stuff, you have him under team control for four more years after that, right? Like, that that's that's a pretty good worst-case scenario for the Jets exactly. there, right? So, that that's, that, yeah, I mean, if, whoever it might be on the Jets, Shifley, Hellebuck, Dubois, I, I, I really don't think it matters. Finding a way to to, to get Quinton Byfield into Winnipeg would, would be, I think, a, a dream situation there. He's the exact kind of guy you need to go after. Somebody, you know, funny enough, somebody that doesn't have a say in, in terms of denying a trade to come here to Winnipeg. I mean, it, it sounds Check. rough, but that, that, yeah, that's exactly what you need to do. I, I think I think the Jets missed a little bit in terms of Marty Nekash last year, a guy that was, you know, on the cusp of breaking out and then did. And now he's an untouchable in Carolina. You don't want to necessarily, you know, have the same thing happen here with with Quinton Byfield. So I would have no I mean, especially if it's Hellebuck, I mean. You're training Connor Hellebuck. You're kind of signaling that you're not going to be competitive this upcoming season at the very least. So the Peterson cap hit and contract doesn't really 
hinder you all that much. If that's what it takes to get Byfield in here, then then sign me up all day, every day. But we'll see how how willing LA is going to be able to go down that road. Because I mean, watching him in the playoffs, he's, he's still got some growing to do, but he's close. Like he's really really close to figuring it out. And if I'm Winnipeg, let's let's be a year early in on this, as opposed to potentially seeing him skyrocket this upcoming season, and then being absolutely nowhere near anybody's radar in terms of a trade target. Yeah, I mean, listen, that's where I'd be thinking about asking. That's the sort of player. I mean, obviously, there'd be some pushback from L.A. I mean, he was second overall pick in the draft. But they're close right now. They feel they're close. And uh, the one thing, I they know what they're getting in Connor Hellebuck, who's about as proven uh, a uh, product in the, in the NHL. Hey, just before we go, real quick, uh, who's going to be playing for the Cup in two weeks? Uh, let's go Vegas, Carolina. I'm with you on that too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm not really, I I think, I think honestly, I think it's two coin flip series, so I could see it going either way, but let's, yeah, let's go Vegas, Carolina. Yeah. I mean, we were just looking at the odds. I mean, it's the, the favorite to win the Cubs plus two thirty, the longest shots plus three ten. It just goes to show how interesting these series (laughs) should be. Uh, you, my friend have a great long weekend. Thanks for doing this. Beauty. Yeah, have a good one, too. We'll talk next week. (laughs) Right on. There is our guy, Brandon Rewicki. All right, we're going to head out to the track in just a second. Hey, I do want to congratulate our friends at Little Brown Jug, who absolutely cleaned out at the uh, the Beer Awards this week. Uh, Brewery of the Year, Black Lager, the best of show, the uh, Design Awards for their Queer Beer and Generic, and category winners for the Golden Ale, Belgian IPA, 1919, generic black lager and cider check out the instagram for uh, all of the information on their award-winning beers uh, but there's a lot going on right now new launches of the rattler the cider folk fest lager and the queer beer new merchandise as well with the uh, new generic lager merch as well as their pride merch is good to go and of course what's most important for this beautiful weekend coming up the patio is up and running Anyone that was with us for our sports trivia night there uh, last at the end of last summer knows how great it is. And they're open new Sunday hours as well, open from 3 until 9. Pop on down and see our friends at Little Brown Jug on William Avenue. You can check them out online at littlebrownjug.ca. We're getting ready for a fishing season. Well, I guess that's officially started, but Aikens Lake season as well. Uh, Just a perfect getaway for Manitoba businesses. If you're thinking about a great uh, getaway for uh, your top customers or maybe a little bit of a team building experience. Uh, most of the guests at, at, uh, AS, at uh, Aikens aren't necessarily hardcore fishermen, rather people who enjoy the outdoors and like the easy way our guides can put you on the big ones or teach novices how to fish. Find out more online at AikensLake.ca. There is nothing like the Aikens experience. Or sorry, that's AikensLake.com. As I mentioned, we got PGA Tour, PGA Championship going on right now. And our guy, Canadian Corey Connors, tied with Scotty Scheffler at the top of the leaderboard. We'll stay on top of that throughout the afternoon. But whenever we're talking golf, we do it for our friends at Breezy Bend, one of Manitoba's top private clubs. Incredible 19th hole on that course side patio, not to mention great men's, women's, and junior programs. If you're thinking about getting on the waiting list for next year, find out more at breezyben.ca or give her a pal, Corey Johnson, a call for uh, more information on that. All right. We got the Preakness on for, on uh, the weekend. We've got Kirk Contois, who dropped Mage on us. 
just in our hands right before it. He will be back tomorrow, but um, it the big show here in the peg gets going on Monday, and that, of course, is the first day of the live racing season. What a way to finish up May long weekend. And by the way, did I tell you it's looking to be 31 degrees and sunny? Let's get ready for the season with our guy, Darren Dunn, the CEO of Assiniboia Downs Double D. It's great to have you back on the program. And uh, man, I'm excited to get out to the track. How are things? Oh, terrific. Hustler, uh, shout out to Remus as well. I mean, great to be back with you guys. Uh, last finishing touch is underway here as we're set to go, as you mentioned, Victoria Day evening. So uh, do lake life, enjoy the long weekend at the lake, enjoy cottage time, and then come back to the peg and uh, finish out that long weekend in style here at ASD Do the Downs. We can't wait. Uh, ready to go. Uh, we're just putting the race cards together for Monday and Tuesday. The first couple of weeks of the race season will go Monday, Tuesday, Monday, Tuesday, and then we'll roll out our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday schedule essentially right through to the end. So, uh, you know, we worked very hard in the off season to touch base with our international partners to ensure that they're on board and excited about our upcoming broadcast. Uh, our return to ASD Live, as you mentioned, Kurt Contois, Stretch, who jumps in with some tremendous handicapping skills, um, 6.45 every day before live racing. So if you just want to tune in and get the best of the best of handicapping on that live card, you cannot get better information than from those guys. So it's time to race, uh, time to horse around again here at a <laughs> You know, and it's great to have you guys back on board with us. And of course, we've, yes, you know, been dealing with each other for a long time. And I'll always remember our conversations kind of when we were getting going in 2021. And even last year in 2022, we were still dealing with the uh, with the pandemic. And it was fascinating to see how you and your staff were able to kind of manage all of the barriers to really, in a lot of ways, revolutionize where this track is right now on the scope. Part of it was the schedule, but there were so many things happening behind the scenes that you guys had to navigate. Um, how different has this off-season or this lead-up to live racing been than the last couple of years, and uh, how much better is that for you and everybody involved? Yeah, well... Okay, so a quick, 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 quick step back. I guess it's the whole, um, you know, good to be king, but heavy is the head that wears the crown. When, again, I was watching that live Dallas Mavericks game when they suddenly uh, pulled the plug on the NBA mid-game. Mid Mark Cuban jumps on their live to say, you know, we trust Adam Silver, yada, yada, yada. We're on hold, which quickly said to me that uh, we're going to be on hold very, very soon as well. And I can distinctly remember sitting in a very empty boardroom, um, giving some thoughts about the fact that, uh, uh, like a light switch, all of our revenue was turned off, 140 VLTs, simulcasting, in other words, satellite wagering on racing, morning, noon, and night across the world uh, that we do out here, food and beverage, everything shut down, can't do anything. So, you know, uh, 250 employees uh, on the line, and including yours truly, uh, we have no revenue like that. Uh, pivot to use uh, your indication there, uh, to find find a path, find a way. Provincial government worked with us, gave us a license, uh, ran this place like a library with nobody here for live racing, which is as bizarre as it gets. And other major sports, of course, did that with no fans in the stands. And that's not what it's about, as we know. But we did find that path, that niche. Uh, we found ourselves uh, strategically placed against Tier 2 uh, competition versus the San Anitas, Del Mars, uh, Belmont parks of the world. And, and really, really got a jump on everybody around the world by being able to be the first track in Canada to be up and going and sell a signal. And truthfully, initially competing with 
you know, Japanese baseball and Korean ping pong. Uh, you know, I won't forget that. Uh, that's competition I'll take all day long. Fast forward to now. Um, we had a lot of stickiness with our partners and the relationships we built. Uh, we continue to foster those. Um, you know, let me give you a quick example. Um, initially, when we developed a relationship, opened the door to Australia, a horse mad content, very hard to get in there. Everybody wants to be in there. I think we would have bet somewhere in the neighborhood of $100,000 to $200,000 initially prior to the COVID situation. Uh, that quickly went to over a million dollars last year. We bet over $9 million coming out of that continent. So uh, gross, small margins, but large volumes help. So going into your question, um, it's never stress-free to open a town as we do out here for six months. And the amount of people, it's like an ant farm out here right now with contractors, employees, uh, equipment coming in, et cetera. But we're used to that. We set it up. We bring it in, pump a lot of money into Manitoba. A lot different from a stress standpoint than a uh, pandemic. And last year, the first year, restriction-free, we were heartened by how many people came out to join us. This year, we hope it's going to be that many more. Again, we freed up our prime dates of Fridays and Saturdays for rental opportunities while everybody's at enjoying the Folk Festival, Dauphin Fest. We don't compete with the Bombers anymore. We don't compete with Lake Life. So we carved out this niche here that we hope suits uh, our local market Monday, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays. And so when you're looking for something to do early in the week and you want to come out, park for free, walk in for free, and do the downs and, and have some fun banging a program on your leg and hopefully cashing a ticket. Well, it was a great season to get back, and I imagine this one will be even bigger and better. Um, tell us about the horses. Um, you know, in years past, getting horses in was a challenge at times. We had some smaller fields. That improved greatly over the last year. Where are things at right now for 2023? Oh, strong, very strong. And again, great memory, uh, Hustler. I, when the American border was frozen and we could not get American uh, trainers up here, which you know hurts the economy in Manitoba, to be honest with you, and it hurt our program. Uh, small fields don't work for us. It's a very clear math exercise, if you will, when you take away the shiny manes and the shiny tails it's about field size and it's very distinctly uh keyed into revenue the larger the fields the more wagering opportunities the bigger the revenue that corrected itself significantly last year and uh again is very much on track this year we're thrilled with the amount of folks coming up from florida arizona oregon nebraska all of western canada predominantly a little bit out of toronto but when all is said and done the fields should be just tremendous the wagering opportunities will be there the liquidity in the pools will be there with uh, you know last year we averaged about 1.2 million dollars a day in gross wagering so you can step up to the plate and you can punt responsibly as hard as you want to punt and you will not affect the odds and uh so you can have a lot of fun with that and uh so it we're set up to be in, in great shape or jockey colony as well I'll quickly dovetail to very competitive we have at least four returning uh returning or former champions in about 18 19 uh, international jockeys coming in so you'll get a lot of value in the saddle and that also works for not only the fans but the horse owners who uh, put their money on the line and and come out and race for some record purses out here including the manitoba derby 75th manitoba derby coming up an anniversary year uh and we teamed up with uh alberta and bc i should throw out there for the western canadian triple crown series so we've linked our derbies together uh three weeks apart perfect timing and if a horse comes up and stands uh tall in the saddle if you will and wins all three there's a hundred thousand dollar cash bonus as well so we've really tried very hard to put some additional fun on the table and excitement and opportunities well, certainly shaping up for a great opening day and a great live racing season. I cannot wait to go head to head with Reem every day where yeah. we've got we've got one win each, so bit of a rubber season there for us and it'll get going on on Monday. Um, but Darren, listen, a lot of people go and they love to put a toonie on the horse. They love to see the horses. They like to be outside. Others come because they uh, want to have maybe the best buffet 
anywhere. Um, fill people in on outside of the obvious fun of watching the races and being able to wager on them. Uh, the kitchen, the dining room, other attractions that you guys have set up for uh, the upcoming season. Sure. Appreciate that. Yeah, you bet. Uh, our Winnipeg renowned all you can eat prime rib buffet. And um, I'll, I'll steal the line from that fabulous delicatessen on Grant there. We don't cheat on the meat. We buy the top 5% prime rib in all of North America. And, uh, it, you know, it's a dinner theater experience when you come out and book in our terrace dining room. 885-3330. There's the easy plug to phone. Reservations are recommended. We're fortunate enough to be sold out quite significantly throughout our season. So please call in advance. But the table's yours for the night. We don't turn the tables. We're not like other restaurants who will do that two or three times a night. Uh, dinner theater style come out uh, in our tiered amphitheater style uh, terrace dining room where you know every 20 minutes we'll interrupt you gently dim the lights and give you the audio cue uh, from Kirk Contois and, and there's the show and then back to your social interaction at the table and back to the buffet and if I stood up you would see that I've uh, done some quality control uh, <laughs> I'm going to stay seated there uh, I've got a little work to do on the one pack I'm nursing right now uh, that uh, needs to uh, get up to a six having said all of that uh, family fun nights we've added uh, we're going to do that on the opening night of Victoria Day night or again, inflation friendly, park for free, walk in for free. Hard to do that in any sporting event in Winnipeg. Uh, and then all kinds of family fun for the kids. We'll do that also in July, August, every Monday. So there's a great opportunity for the kids to come out and and, uh, and have a little bit of fun at horse racing. Whether you wager or not, pick a name, pick a color, come on out uh, and enjoy a beautiful, beautiful uh, opportunity outside Manitoba. We know how great those summers are. And you know what, beyond that, listen, we're going to do a ton of stuff outside of horse racing. We've got food truck wars coming up right away. Indian horse relay racing coming on the afternoon uh in of uh, victoria day afternoon in conjunction with the manitowabi festival next door at red rex park we've got four night markets canada day fireworks summer of sound electronic dance music festivals holy fest uh it just on and on and on uh there's nothing we can't imagine with uh, people who have interest out here and how we can customize this hundred thousand square foot facility and all of the uh, parking lots and tarmac we have to work with so do the downs in any way shape or form for live racing or if you have a rental in mind Wedding, social, you name it. We're here for you, and uh, we'll do it at a cost-effective price. And, of course, people can check out the entire schedule for live racing and everything else over at asdowns.com. Darren, before we go, tee up Monday night's um, card for us, night one, and uh, let us know if you Listen, Kurt came in and dropped Mage on us two weeks ago, <laughs> so I'm not sure if you've yeah, got a... He- uh, we're really going to be counting on his pick, but if you've got a, a lean on the oh. Preakness, let us know about that oh, as well. You know what? So, listen, you you did not see a prouder peacock around this property when that horse won. Uh, Kurt wasn't uh, shy to let everybody know, and he should have proudly. The horse paid over $30 to win. Now, having said that, oh, so our race card quickly uh, is not put together until tomorrow. So I don't know what's going to race uh, here gotcha. on night preakness uh, eight horses going to post mage is for sure the one to beat and they, they got their hands full with it national treasure and it actually doesn't look like that tough a field i gotta be honest with you it's like number one national treasure number eight first mission are the only two horses i think that could beat mage and here's the long shot a horse named coffee with chris looks like it could be the lone speed and might try and wire the field and i'll just give you a little quick history lesson pimlico in maryland has traditionally been very, very kind to speed horses. And number four, Coffee with Chris, who might get away at 40 bucks, could go a long way on the front end. So Mage, their hands are full. The only thing that could maybe defeat it is two weeks back, so a little bit of short rest. But the three with the one and eight, but throwing the four. So three over one, four, eight, one, four, eight over three, and I'm certain you're going to cash. 
Darren, you are the best. I cannot wait to see you throughout the season, but Monday night for a night number one. Yeah. Got to get off to a great start this year against my uh, pal Michael Remus here. Take so uh, No prisoner. <laughs> uh, good luck to you, uh, Cherry, everyone behind the scenes there. I know there's so much work that goes into putting the this, this season on, and uh, can't wait to get at it. Enjoy the weather, though, before uh, Monday night. It's going to be beautiful. Appreciate it. Thanks so much, Hustler. All the best to you and Remus. Thanks so much. There is Darren Dunn of Assiniboia Downs. Uh, It's so great to have them back on board with us. Cannot wait to get going with the head-to-head picks. And I guess without the... I mean, we have to tweet our picks out on Monday because, of course, it's a long weekend. There won't be a show, but starting Tuesday and every night of live racing, we'll finish off the program with a couple of our favorite selections for, uh, for the track coming up. All right, great stuff with Darren Dunn. And again... ASDowns.com is where you want to go for uh, all the information on the upcoming season. Uh, HPIBet.com, if you want to open an account and want to wager on the ponies without heading down to the downs, you can certainly do that. And check out their YouTube channel, Kirk and Stretch, doing their thing nightly, previewing it all at 6.45 before the call gets on at uh, 7.30 p.m. Uh, Remo, are you ready to... uh, are you ready to get back, dipping your toes into the waters of the ASD season, head-to-head? Can't wait. I love their YouTube feed. Us, um, you know, just throwing it on, watching the races. You know, I got multiple TVs, so it's nice having one of them on the races. And you, know, you get pumped when your race that you're betting on is coming up. So you can kind of have it on with the baseball. I got to remember, but you know, it's all going to come back to me when I see the horse names. Uh, someone asked in chat, is there a horse named Hoof Hearted? I believe there was a horse, Hoof Hearted. And, oh, um, Darren Dunn called the race. Yeah. It's too bad I didn't see that beforehand, although I, at some point we'll get Darren Dunn in. I mean, that is one of the all-time hilarious horse racing calls like in the history of the sport. Hoof Hearted. In a, in a finish, it was like... Uh, blackjack, hoof hearted, hoof hearted, blackjack, hoof hearted, right down to the end. It was, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and shout out to whoever named the horse hoof hearted, knowing that, um, <laughs> you know, maybe at one point we'd get some pure gold in comedy. Uh, hey, let's do a quick why not question of the day for everyone that's here right now. Um, who you got playing in the cup final? I asked Rewiki this, he is with Vegas and Carolina. I am sort of leaning Vegas and Carolina. Remus, what about you? I'm on the Dallas train. Dallas, I will go Dallas, Carolina. Um, you know, Carolina getting Teravainen back. They've played so well. Um, I think defense, one to six, very solid. And got to go with the best goalie in Dallas, Jake Ottinger. And I may, I may be in a couple pools where I need Dallas to win and have Carolina. So that could that could be influencing my decision, but... I think it, you know you look at the odds it just shows you how close it is. Um I don't think there's really a wrong answer here unless you're picking Florida. And I don't think they're in. I think it's Carolina. I'm just kidding. Uh, I mean, listen, I don't know if you can count out the Panthers. You I, can't. The one thing the one thing I do know is I think both of these series are going to be like six or seven games. Uh I think the games are going to be tight. I, I mean, I have a hard time imagining any of these four teams running away with round three, never mind the cup final. Yeah, and look, we've, Florida was countered out from the beginning against Boston, and 
And you heard the Toronto fans chanting, we want Florida, look what happened. I mean, they're a really good team, and they're probably going to bring some, some dirty stuff tonight. And uh, I don't know. I think there's some mix of Jets fans that are cheering. Some cheering for Paul Maurice saying, look, he may have walked out, but look what he had to deal with. I mean, he lasted. Look how many years he lasted. Rick Bonus. I mean, I obviously he's going to set to come back next year, but he kind of lost it there at the end. Said, what's going on here? Needed the, to be said. And there's other Jet fans who are like, ah, Paul Maurice, he's a quitter. I don't want him. Don't want him to win. So you do have the Paul Maurice factor. I don't know what side a lot of people are on, but um, I think that's an interesting storyline. But I, I still think Carolina. I mean, they've got a great coach in Rod Rod Brindamore, uh, Freddie Anderson. You know, I mean, he's going to be their goalie, but they have other two guys that they're not afraid to use. And look, they were down Pacioretty and Svechnikov. No problem scoring goals. We'll see if Jordan Martin can have a repeat performance. In round three, and oh yeah, sorry for former Jets in the playoffs, Paul Stasny. How can you forget him on Carolina? It's, I think there's a lot of still a lot of Stasny fans in the mm. chat. I would actually love for it to be Carolina Vegas and have Carolina win the cup and Stasny get his cup mm-hmm. at the expense of the team that traded him. Oh, oh, I like that. I, I you know, listen. Hey, Stasny was. Uh, Stastny, the fact that he came here twice, waived his no trade. I got a lot of time for Paul Stastny. The guy's had an incredible career. Um, to see him on top of it all would be uh, would be really cool. Just looking at uh, the uh, the chat right here, Royster's on Dallas and Panthers. Derek's on Dallas and Carolina. Blue Cat's on Dallas and Panthers. Whoa, not a lot of love for Vegas. People don't like not, Vegas. It's here. not I necessarily mean, come, come love, but I mean, I'm just asking who you think will win. Well, like, not necessarily. Like, I, I listen. I've been very impressed with Vegas. I mean, certainly we saw it firsthand against the Jets, and even more so with the way they handled Edmonton. I mean, I thought Edmonton was going to throttle them, and that just simply did not happen. Even going to their backup goalie. Do you think that the way Vegas has marched through now, if they make the Cup final, does it? You look diff- back differently. On the Jets playoffs, obviously they had a lot of injuries, but it's kind of funny how their last couple playoff appearances, well, they lost to Vegas in the conference final, but then they lose to the Blues who win the cup, and they lost to but Montreal in that series that we almost forgot about, and and then this one again to Vegas. Like, what if Vegas makes the cup? Does, does it, do you look back at it differently at all, that series? For me, uh, honestly, no, because I can't get past what, like the performance of the team in game number five. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, if if this team battled right to the end and came out and, you know, left it all on the ice or something like that, then, uh, then I'd have a little bit more time for that. But uh, I mean, I'll be straight that I still have a bad taste in my mouth for the way that series ended. I think Rick bonus does as well. And, and hell Rick bonus wasn't, uh, wasn't around for game four against Montreal. And he wasn't around for game six against the St. Louis Blues. And I mean, to me, if you want an argument, the biggest argument and the best argument, I think, as to why this team needs a significant shakeup amongst the core, the leadership group of this club. I mean, look no further to the way this team bowed out of the playoffs in those three situations, especially the most recently one. I mean... There's a lot you can handle losing, but I mean, what we saw in that game was just so dreadful and unacceptable. And honestly, like the game was over before it started. And um, 
you know, I was talking to, I think it was Roy Mack. Yeah, was at Roy, the, Roy was Mack. At the event. <laughs> he was at the game. And, I mean, he, like, I'm sure a few Jet fans took off after the second period. <clears throat> because, I mean, what, why, why stick around and get humiliated more? Um, the team, as I said, we don't need to relitigate this, but... Uh, I don't feel differently, or I don't think I will feel, feel differently about the way things happen between the Jets and the Vegas Golden Knights because of the way that it ended. And I still, and I know we were talking about Pierre-Luc Dubois before, and, uh, I, I still cannot wrap my head around, Remus, how the guy wearing number 80, it was the same person in the uniform in game number one than in game number five. I mean, that was a week apart. Game one, he looked like one of the most dominant players in the National Hockey League and uh, looked like he was um, just kind of easing into the preseason in game number five. And um, those are some questions we'll probably never have answers for, but the bottom line is this team needs to figure out a way to avoid that in the future. Yeah, and I think that's a common theme with Dubois. I don't know if it was, you know, injury that he had. You know, we talked, you know, the Jets, you know, every other team in the league has said their injuries after the season and the Jets, everyone pretty much declined. So we don't actually know what they're, you know, what's going on. Well, with they would have been better off saying that they were all like on the verge of being shut down for uh, career ending injuries, the way things played out in game number five. I mean, um, but yeah, uh, and that's why we were talking about Dubois. People were asking me, but what do you mean he was sort of flaky or flake? Well, I mean, just because how can you get those two polar opposite performances in the same series, especially with the really bad one being playing with your uh, your lives on the line? Uh, speaking of lives on the line, that's tomorrow night for the Winnipeg Ice taking on the Seattle Thunderbirds. That game will be on TSN. If you missed the broadcast the last couple days, familiar faces and voices in Dan Robertson and Kevin Sawyer doing the game. Uh, That will be on. And fingers crossed they'll be able to get this series back to Winnipeg for playoff hockey on Sunday and maybe even a Game 7 on Monday over at the... um, uh, at the downtown rink. Now stick around, by the way, I know Remus has probably mentioned this in chat, um, but Dave Manouk is going to be going live right after our show in about five minutes with a special end of the year moose special. And uh, I know he's going to have Mark Morrison on general manager, Craig Heisinger, T Kona, uh, Pauly's favorite Tyrell Bauer and a few other players. Um, and I've said before, nobody covers the, uh, the moose like Dave, Uh, and the work that he does over at Illegal Curve. So we will do a raid, if you will, as soon as we're finished and head on over and uh, suggest people uh, take in some of the uh, wrap of the season from Mooseville with Dave Manute coming up. But uh, before we do that, let's get to the cool bet lines for today. Uh, We've got hockey tonight, Reem. Panthers at Hurricanes, game one of the series, the Canes minus 142 money line fa- or money line favorites. The Panthers plus 121. We had Andy, the digital gambler, riding with Florida in game one, despite liking Florida in the series, or despite liking Carolina in the series. And it's funny, the series number a little lower than tonight's game one. Carolina minus 137 on the series in the Panthers plus 116. Yeah, I'm not sure what to make of that, but Florida's coming in on this big road uh, winning streak. I think six in a row. And road teams have, you know, one we've seen in this playoffs. It hasn't really mattered home versus road. 
I don't know. I I guess maybe just keep taking the underdogs if you want to want value. I don't know if there's value in in the favorites just based on how close these series are. So I'm I want Carolina, but I find it that's a that's a big number for a favorite for what we think should be a seven game series. Do we think these both are going seven? Or uh, one six, I would one say, seven. I I put it this way: if we were going to go total games, yeah, total games in the series for both series, yeah. I would take over 12 and a half. Like, I think we'll have at least one yeah. go to seven and one go at least six. Okay. I would, so I would 13 agree or 14 that. games. It actually would have been, I should have asked the uh, cool bet guys. To that's a that good one. I mean, that's, been, that's a, tough a though. Cause one has to go, one has to go seven and the other has to go at least six. So not a lot of margin six. for error. error if no, you did. no. And the actual line on that probably would maybe be 11 or 10, uh, probably be 11 and a half, I think. Cause I listen, these teams are, these series are both very close. Um, so we'll see that. So uh, listen, you can get player goals, <clears throat> player points, series prices for the entire series, as well as all the game tonight, Vegas and Dallas for tomorrow. And we'll hit this on tomorrow's show, but Vegas right now minus 120 and uh, the Dallas Stars plus 103. We did cook up a couple exclusives today in the lock shop, though. And I've got one for this game tonight. I'm riding with Carolina. I like Carolina to win this game. We've got an under six and a half. And then Ajo and Burns both to get at least a point. So pretty simple one tonight. Canes win under six and a half. Aho and Burns both to record a point or more, plus six hundred. And uh, and while we're at it, Dusty's got one. He's a big Laker guy, big LeBron guy. He's watched every second of the Lakers playoffs so far. Just missed his last one, getting forward of five. D'Angelo Russell had sort of a down game and didn't get enough points. But here's the ride with Dusty today: Joker, twenty-seven or more points, and twelve or more rebounds. LeBron, 23 or more points. Reeves and KCP, both to hit a three-pointer. And the Lakers, plus five and a half. That one opened at plus 750. There's obviously been uh, some action on it because it's now plus 690. And Dusty said at the end of the lock shop, what he was probably most concerned about of all of these is the Lakers plus five and a half. I do like Denver. I mean, I like Denver in the series but I kind of feel that this might be the game that the Lakers can take on the road. Um, that being said, they battled back after a big deficit. They hung in there. We'll see what happens tonight. But uh, finally, Remo, we can get the two TVs fired up again, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs, and uh, that's kind of a gloomy day today, so it'll be a good day to kind of focus on the playoffs because it's going to get nice tomorrow. Gold Eyes home opener, May long weekend. Assiniboia downs on Monday. Uh, it's all coming together right now. Yeah, I mean, I've been going with two TVs. I got MLB TV on mine. Any game, it's pretty awesome. But I'll say the conversation that I enjoyed with you and Andy uh, McNeil was the Con Smythe Award, and I kind of agree. Like, if Carolina wins, who's who's their Con Smythe? Uh, I don't even know. Is it Burns? I don't know. Burns or Slavin? Maybe go with one of the D. Well, maybe... it, it, listen, the slave, and it's in the fact that people have been talking about slave. And I mean, so much of this, I mean, it's voted on by the media, right? And I mean, yeah. listen, there's one narrative gets put out, other people start saying, and it really, uh, it picks up some steam. So I'm going to throw a nickel down on uh, Jacob Slavin at <laughs> 55 like to it. one and see what happens. Um, the other guy, I mean, if you do like 
if you do like Dallas, uh, Rupee Hints at 10 to 1 is pretty good. Uh, even with Jake Ottinger at 9 to 1, I mean, Rupee Hints to me has been the guy for them. And as great as Pavelski was in that second series, he missed the entire first series when Rupee Hints was leading the entire playoffs in scoring. So, a couple of those guys right now. And I guess if you do like Vegas, Jack Eichel would be that guy. He already had nine points in the Edmonton series right now. You don't have to worry about goalies considering they've been playing two different ones. So um, Jack Eichel, probably the clear cut leader when it comes to Vegas, if they're going to be the team that wins. Well, I mean, we're looking at the, um, like the winner, like there's not a lot of money to be won if you're betting on the winner, but maybe if you pick a team, you're better off predicting who the con Smythe is going to be because there could be some better value there. I just thought that was interesting because Carolina, I don't think Carolina has got a standout guy. Does Vegas, Vegas, I guess Eichel is their guy. Matthew Kachuk in Florida. Dallas would be Ottinger or Hintz. But the one thing I like about the Conn Smythe compared to other playoffs is it's the whole playoffs. It's not just the finals. Finals. There's, yeah. there's still, still two series where someone can can come out and make a name for themselves. And maybe there will be some recency bias there. Um, hey, just before we go, Bryson DeChambeau leading the PGA Championship. Oh, my God. P. Greggy's not going to be happy. He had a nice little bet on Bryson to miss the cut. But Bryson, who has stunk on live all year long, has three birdies on the back nine. He's playing seven right now. And uh, it was 34. Had three birdies, two bogeys on the front. Anyways, he's in first place right now. Corey Connors looking good. He's also at four under par playing number 16, although I think he's just dropped one. Yeah, he's in at three under par. So a great opening round for Corey Connors. Um, Keegan Bradley, three under. Scotty Scheffler, three under. And Bryson DeChambeau, as I mentioned, leading. He's got two holes to play, four under par. My guy, Tony Fino, coming out soon in the afternoon wave. Um, Remo, is Dave already going? Are we good to send it over to him? I actually should check. I'm not 100%, but yeah. So stick around. It'll automatically send you to the Illegal Curve stream. Yeah, he's he started. Perfect, perfect. All right, gang. Well, anyways, listen, thanks to everyone that's with us today. If you're with us live on YouTube, don't go anywhere. We're going to uh, send it over to the Illegal Curve page as Dave Manuk wraps up a uh, moose season with uh, all of uh, some great guests, including the coach, GM, some of the players, uh, and a wrap on moose season right now. Thanks to all the sponsors that made Winnipeg Sports Talk happen today. And join us tomorrow. We'll have marbles. We'll have Ken Weeb. It'll be a great way to get into a long weekend tomorrow. But uh, in the meantime, stick around. Here's I See Dave with a moose season ender over on the Illegal Curve channel. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.